Race might be a hot topic right now, but for so many of us, talking about race is nothing new. On the Code Switch podcast from NPR, we go beyond the headlines and we go deep. Listen now. New killer. Now, is it Crick or Creek? Coyote or Coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and each episode we turn to the people who literally wrote the book on this, sister and brother team Kathy and Ross Petrus, and we'll dive into what we get wrong and sometimes what we get right when we try to speak this weird English language. Regular listeners may remember a number of weeks back we were talking about Kathy and Ross recording audio versions of some of their books. And as they went back over those books while they were recording them, it brought up some examples of words they'd written about that still tend to confuse them. And so a few episodes ago, we went over some of the words from the book titled You're Saying It Wrong, the book that gave us the name of this podcast. Today, we're going to look at another one of their books and some of the words out of that book. That doesn't mean what you think it means, which will also be out at some point. Now, you guys were out now. They are out now. Yeah, (laughs) bring on the dancing girls. Yeah, we didn't know it. I mean, it was like typical writers. It's like, really? (laughs) Yeah, no, they're available now. So if you don't want to read, which we also like, but if you want to listen in the car to our dulcet tones, they're there. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'll also say, just as someone who uh, likes to read and also likes to listen to people's voices, Even if you've read these books and own them, I'm guessing that since Kathy and Ross did the reading themselves for these audiobooks, that it's going to be a lot of fun just to hear them do this as well. It it was fun doing them, too, but we really learned a lesson. And I have to say, Fletcher, my respect for you, which was already high, has shot up even further. (laughs) No, I thought it was hell. I thought it was hell. I'm sorry. It is tough doing doing audio audio continuously. We were doing it for like, you know, upwards of six hours a day. And I didn't realize you have to slow down. I'm always like (laughs) racing around (laughs) with voices. And now I will talk slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least you pronounce correctly, Ross. I was getting reamed for like, what did you say? Particularly. I said particularly. (laughs) Yeah, right. All right. Well, so as I mentioned a few weeks back, we started with uh, You're Saying It Wrong, the book. And today we're going to move on to another one. That doesn't mean what you think it means. Correct. Right. But, but first, first we, yeah, we want to actually first talk about something. We noticed this in a number of places. It's hard to like really quantify because of AKA. What does AKA Fletcher mean? Also known as? Right. Yeah. And basically it's a legal document. They said it comes, I mean, it's a legal term and it comes, it was attested since uh, 1935. You know, Fletcher Powell, a.k.a. the killer. You know, that sort of thing. (laughs) That was Jerry Lee Lewis. (laughs) Actually, it's Fletcher Powell, DBA, the killer. (laughs) I was thinking of DBA myself. (laughs) You should do that. Start a business. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But anyway, Ross is the one who noticed this. I've got to give it. And I was skeptical. Ross said he'd noticed that AKA was cropping up used in ways that he wouldn't have thought. And I said, yeah, right. 
And um, he was right. He was indeed right. Ross, do you want to read the example you found? Sure. I found this one. This was in a, um, uh, a solicitation for a, a reviewer on grill gas grills, actually. And I'm going to quote the last part of it. The rate would likely be around $750 plus grocery reimbursement and involve hands-on product testing, a.k.a. you'd need a gas grill. Yeah, it's uh, not not necessarily also known as you'd need a gas grill. <laughs> yeah, so because this reads as hands-on product testing is also known as you'd need a grass grill. Yeah. Which, if you put it that way, you kind of get the thought don't you it's it's sort of evolving so then we found this one this is from a um actually a grammar website use your to combine the words you and are these words are not interchangeable aka you can't substitute one for another now we seem to be gliding into what kathy was just saying in terms of it sort of works we seem to be using AKA in place of IE, right? Wow. You made our segue, Fletcher. <laughs> you did our segue. So sorry, did I ruin everything? No, you did it very well. We, you, you enhanced you it. what we were going to do. You took the words out of our mouth. AKA We were good. just about to say <laughs> that AKA can be used in a similar way to IE. Id est in Latin, which means that is, or in other words. We're seeing basically an Americanism basically supplant the old Latin IE. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. As someone who has paid a lot of attention to things like sports message boards over the years, I've seen this this exact thing going on for quite a while. A lot of, um, mm, let's say, unfortunate changes in language happen on sports message boards. And, <laughs> and so, I mean, it feels like more than a decade I've been seeing this kind of thing going on. You two seem a, a little bit less peeved about it than I have been historically. Uh, it's just, it, 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 that's one thing that always has really bothered me when I see it. I mean, it's not like I'm going around correcting anybody, but it gives me that little needle feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Just because I know exactly what they mean. They mean IE. <laughs> it's like, it's not, mm -hmm. it's, that's not AKA. No, it's it's so odd to me because what's the problem with IE? IE is shorter yeah. also. It's one letter shorter. It's like, come <laughs> on, if we're going to be, you know, snappy. I do wonder why it started. It's it's a little strange. I wonder when and why AKA started becoming so popular. We were poking around and we still have not found it. And we're going to keep poking because I'm really curious about that myself. You looked at when we looked online, like Urban Dictionary, everybody says it's known as also known as. So mm -hmm. all the even the sort of slangy places say that's what it means. Yet we're seeing it used, as you said, as IE. So I don't get it. My one guess is that. Latin is intimidating, and abbreviations, if you don't know the Latin, can be intimidating. And in in the book, we actually distinguished E.G. and I.E. because we found people, you know, confusing those two and mixing them up. So my gut feeling is A.K.A. is like, you know, it means also known as. It's easy. If you're not sure, what is I.E.? Is it I.E. or is it E.G.? You go, oh, I'm just going to say A.K.A. I, that's sort of my guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I guess even knowing it means also known as if you take that abbreviation, a.k.a. sort of to mean something slightly different, for example, they that, sort of spread. It yeah, a little, for example, like that little... that is mm -hmm. then even knowing that it literally means also known as 
it, it starts to sort of be okay for it to mean something else as an abbreviation, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still don't like I don't, it. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I'm not crazy. I think we should make it DBA. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. like, which will really be confusing. You know, why not? Doing business as you need a grass grill. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> But actually, curiously, Fletcher, we, you know, we, we, the first one we did was the EG and IE problem, and you brilliantly segued it into that. And just curiously, do you, you do know EG I know as it, part of the test? I know what it means, for example. Uh, I don't actually know Very what— Very good. I don't know what the E and the G stand for, though. Well, it's not really necessary nowadays, but it stands for exempli gratia, which is literally example uh, for the grace of the example, for example. Okay. So it's. I think that we should start using that instead of e.g. in conversation. For the grace of the example. Exempli gratia. <laughs> Don't you think? Exempli <laughs> gratia. I no, say. No, I like it. Yeah. I was anglicizing it <laughs> for the okay. grace of the example. I, it just sounds very fancy. <laughs> People will be impressed. Right, but you do see i.e. and e.g. Uh, used interchangeably quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have a... So, are we ambivalent uh, about this or not? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm Kathy. I, cat. I have a cat behind my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it, well, there's, they're all over now. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay, I don't like it, but I'm less bothered by it than I am by AKA, meaning IE. Now, this is a really interesting thing. When you said you're ambivalent about it, you took it to mean that you don't, you don't really care. You're sort of indifferent to it, correct? Uh, Ro- well, Ross just asked, "Are we ambivalent about this?" And I just, right, I so just, I'm asking. Yes. What do you think ambivalent <laughs> means in that oh, case? We're moving. <laughs> we're moving quickly. <laughs> um, am- ambivalent uh, feels well. I, I mean, I, I, I've always thought it meant um, sort of. Uh, you are. I don't want to say wishy-washy, but kind of on the fence about it. Okay, that's a tough one, Ross. What do you think? Is he right or wrong? Because you're kind of right. Fletcher you're kind right, of right in the middle. Think, <laughs> as usual, I think Fletcher is more correct than we are in this case. We can have more correct, <laughs> which is upsetting. Now, this is one that Kathy and I both were independently kind of wrong about. We both thought indep- ambivalent really was sort of more meh, not really caring, indifferent. Mm. Mm-hmm. We tend to use it as. And it doesn't mean that. It really means more of being two minds about something, torn between two things, which can be meh, but it can also be not meh. So I think Fletcher is more correct. <laughs> yeah, you can see both sides of it, and, and maybe you haven't come down on one side or the other just yet. But it doesn't yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you don't care. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. See, I took it to mean more like, hmm, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm busy. But yeah, it really is contradictory. And be... Get it? Am, it's like ambidextrous, but ambivalent. Mm-hmm. Valent. <laughs> valent. Yeah, it's like whatever. Ross, you can help us. Oh, it's, it's valentias. It, it's from, from strength. strength. Yeah. Yeah. So both have equal oh, strength. both have strength. Both sides have yeah. strength. Yeah. And it, it initially was a psychological term um, conceived in 1910 by a Swiss psychologist. And uh, Carl Jung was big on it, as you might expect. And uh, Bertrand Russell, who I never think about anymore. But yeah, now people use it sort of in place of ambiguous. I th- and I think it's because of the, the similar sound, ambivalent, ambiguous, where it's, it's not. It's, it's, it's a distinct two-sided feeling. 
But actually, ambiguous, though, really means uh, having a double meaning. But it means more like indistinct. Ambiguous means more like indistinct, sort of blurry. Yeah, blurry, hard to make out. Yeah. No, it could also be one of two, uh, one of between a, a double meaning. I don't can think. Be two. Yeah, but I don't think people use it exactly in that way. Usually it's obscurity. There's an indistinct level to it. Right. That's what I'm saying. I was being pedantic, but yes, you're right. Yes, you were indeed. You're giving <laughs> no. me a chronic pain, Ross. <laughs> now, this is really interesting. This one, I this one, I think, did you have a problem with this, Kath? I didn't. I did. Okay. Cause this is interesting to us. We, we had a quote here. The company is in an extremely chronic financial situation. Oh, no, I did not with this one. I was surprised. Okay, that so I think did. someone did. So we put this one in. I didn't. I'm not sure. Fletcher, do you Now, Is what's wrong with that statement? I think two things. Go. One is that I, I mean, I, I think that chronic means like ongoing. It is going now and will continue to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, in mm-hmm. which case, I, I you know, you're. If your financial situation is that is actually chronic, then I don't really understand how you still exist or um, can expect to exist. But also extremely chronic. Can something be extremely chronic if it's supposed to if it just keeps going on like it's sort of like being extremely unique. Right. OK, that's the key, because apparently from what we found when we were doing the book. Um, was that a lot of people think chronic means bad, like mm. really bad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I, I assume because if you think of diseases and someone's got chronic bronchitis, yeah. it's right. like, oh, my God, they're coughing all the time. But it, you're right. It's a timely thing. I mean, cron, I mean, chronos. Mm-hmm. But people seem to think it just means something, you know, terrible, whereas the time aspect is the key. So you're right. I mean, this is a chronic financial situation means nothing. Right. At all. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it means the financial situation is ongoing. You could say a chronically bad financial situation, yes. which does does make yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. But you could also say, even though chronic, to some degree, chronic does because of that thing that Kathy mentioned, the disease association. I'm not sure I would say a chronically good financial situation, even though it technically no. Could interesting. Be You're it, absolutely right. It does have that like sort of negative. You don't say I'm chronically happy. You yeah. do. <laughs> Well, it would be correct, but, but it just, you know. People would look askance at you. Right. Okay, this is one that I have issues with. The word is pristine, P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, to use my audible voice. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the What we had was, uh, the example we have here is, it's time to join the gods, overstatement, when you enter into the most pristine bathroom you've ever seen. Which wow. is very nice. That's impressive. Okay, so what does pristine mean then, Fletcher? I thought pristine meant un um, unmarred, right? Un uh, it is uh, flawless. Okay, then I'm going to ask you a question. Given that, then now this is this is getting really persnickety because nowadays uh, I think that you could use pristine in the way they just did. But could I say the filthy swamp is pristine? Oh. Uh, without i mean i i wouldn't have expected so no Mm -hmm. this is what threw me you can because technically the original meaning of pristine was primitive the original state so the swamp is pristine albeit disgusting and yucky and and smelly and and getting on your shoes yeah so unchanged from its original state yeah Mm -hmm. 
See now, to me, I use pristine in the in the modern advertising um, house cleaning fluid way. Like, keep the bathroom pristine with this spray-on product, which you're not. Which is you're not. Although nowadays, Actually, I think you really it's okay. I think that I would not use pristine in terms of a swamp. And right. if you said you kept the bathroom pristine, I would think of it. Not in the original condition necessarily. It was a bad bathroom, <laughs> right. but a clean Although bathroom. the original condition of the bathroom would have been clean, no? So, I mean, in a funny way. Although, if for, for me, prior to getting married, if I said my bedroom was pristine, it'd be a mess. So, <laughs> I... You know, so, <laughs> so, I think... I think... I'm just curious. We should look it up. We, had, we wrote the book a few years back. We had the Oxford English Dictionary said that uh, saying pristine means clean is considered ignorant by educated I'm checking, speakers. Because I'm one of them. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the great unwashed. <laughs> I still don't think it really is. I, I think it's fine saying it clean. Oh, well, duh. Yeah, I use it. <laughs> <laughs> it says these transferred uses, though now increasingly common, are regarded with disfavor. By many educated speakers. Wow, However, they, they took out ignorant. Yeah, they only that <laughs> did. However, use in this sense continues to be well supported. Ah, they've changed. They've gotten. They've they've ameliorated. They've gotten better on this. Okay, yeah, and then they they have an example from Fowler's saying um, that uh, BBC announcers and presenters were asked to restrict pristine to contexts in which the meaning required was ancient, primitive, old, and unspoiled. And to avoid its use when the meaning required was fresh as new, but it's becoming increasingly difficult to find fault with the weakened uses. Well, I would not find fault with using it to mean clean. No. I don't think any of us would. Nor should we. But we're going to go to the next word. Now, this is a word that a couple of years, a few years back, had a little minor uh, kerfuffle in the New York Times. Can something reach a crescendo, Fletcher? As someone who played music when he was younger for quite a few years, uh, a crescendo is not an end point. A crescendo is a building. Like, it, it's an increase. Correct. Uh, okay, Kathy, can we just, can we shut down the podcast here? <laughs> Fletcher knows all of these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ross, why don't you and I talk? Because I have problems with this one, too. <laughs> yep, Fletcher, you are completely, you are completely correct. <laughs> Now, back in 2013, um, a, viol a violist or vi a violist wrote a letter to the Times complaining passionately about the misuse of the word. He said everyone is using crescendo as a point when, in fact, it's, as you said, it's a process. Then someone else pointed out in F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby, he wrote the caterwauling horns had reached a crescendo. Incorrect. <laughs> he might have been nope. drunk. I mean, who knows? <laughs> might have been. Come on. Might have been. Right. <laughs> I, good point. I am looking right now at the OED, and they do have it, that usage as colloquial, mm -hmm. that as, as a climax or as the peak. They allow it, but with a sneer, I think. <laughs> it also comes from the States. It does not come from England. Oh. We we started crescendo meaning climax as an end in itself. I uh, it's um it's a phrase. 
it's just a phrase now reach a, reaches a crescendo. I wouldn't really even think twice if I saw that, even though, as I expressed, I do know what a crescendo is and that something can't actually reach a crescendo. But it, I wouldn't I mean, like that phrase is so common. I wouldn't even think about it if I read it. This is one actually where I'm going to be nitpicky. I don't like it. <laughs> I could handle like K.A. being wrong. I, I don't know why that kind of grates on my ears. And I, and I don't know why, but it does. I don't I don't care for it. Well, I, I think the one thing in, in Kathy's defense on that reached a climax says it really well. If we don't have crescendo, we have to say what the process of getting louder. That doesn't sound as good. Crescendo is useful in the musical sense that, you know, that Fletcher knew. And I think it's sort of useful to keep it that way. But I think at this point it's over. You know, reach a crescendo is here. And, you know, I, well, I agree. I mean, I, I, I like the real meaning better, but reaching a crescendo and reaching a climax don't have the same feel to me. If, if something reaches a crescendo, that means things have th there's a lot of loudness going on. There's a whole lot. Let, let's put I like to put things in movie terms, right? There's a whole lot going on on screen like there's a lot of story points coming together right now and it feels intense and loud it's reached a crescendo mm. that's not necessarily the same as reaching a climax that's, that's a, good point. a good point it's a really good point now i don't mind reaching a crescendo i think we'll rename the podcast fletcher's words <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> this is what i've been working toward for years now <laughs> I, I think there's a tear in his eye now, Ross. <laughs> so it's just raining on my face. That's what's going on. <laughs> really? Okay, this is a quote from People Magazine, actually, and I don't remember who it was who said it. Uh, the quote we had in the book was, the lullaby my husband puts her son to sleep with is so random. It's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson. So now, that is... The word there was so random, which mm -hmm. we hear all the time. Mm -hmm. And and I've got to admit, I say it. I say, oh, my God, that's so random. Why is that not technically correct? Because uh, random, um, let's see, what's another way to say what random actually means? Wrong! No. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to get you to lose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can tell you that what we mean instead of random there is is like unexpected right or out of out of left field mm -hmm. that's not what random actually means random is uh i'm trying to define it without using the word itself well i'll jump in no purpose yeah like i mean like if i have if i have a, a bag of 10 things i stick my hand in and take one out at random you know, without looking mm. at it without right yeah. no plan to it yeah, yeah. No pattern. random numbers in a lottery. There's no like you didn't you know they're just they're just picked. Yes, yeah. no pattern. That's exactly okay. it. Yeah, I don't say it. I never do. I do. You don't, do you? Do you, Fletcher? Hmm. I'm trying to think. I don't really think I do. Everybody else does, and I don't. It's not a. Mm -hmm. I don't not say it on purpose, but I don't really think I do say it. Man, that's random. No, I don't really. Yeah, I always say I say things like, "Gosh, it was so random." Blah de blah. You I guys are less slangy gonna, than I, I think. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to last, though, because it's very it's it is a slang. It is very slangy. You would never. And I'm just wondering if it's going to disappear. I, I'd really be curious about like. Ross, it started in the 60s. Really? Used this way. It did. I think it, it will it last. Gained, and it gained a lot of traction, I think, in the in the 90s and the 2000s. And I'm just wondering if it's going to eventually fade. I have no idea. I'm just wondering. I don't think so. I think it's entrenched as that. I think random now is meaning sort of like 
unexpected like or weird oh my god that was just so random i was like walking down the street and someone hit me in the yeah, face yeah no i know well whatever let's move on to more like a more stuffy term here this was a headline we saw a number of years back is war eminent on the korean peninsula <laughs> yeah i heard you say eminent and not imminent yeah so it should be imminent right that that's something that yes. is looming that's uh, about to happen Okay, so, okay, you got this. Now let's stump Fletcher on another one. Let's see if you got this one. Okay, we have imminent and eminent. Eminent means, you know, like prestigious, you know, out there. Imminent means overhanging, about to happen. What does imminent mean? I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T. Imminent. I'm overpronouncing it. I-M-M-A-N-E-N-T? Yes. I -M -O with an A there instead of an I, right? Right. Ooh, I don't know. Tell me. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Woo! Well, Fletcher, you're fired from <laughs> We did it. Okay, this is really a tough, this is really a, a really technical thing. It's mostly theological, but it, it means existing within or inherent. And we had the quote, uh, the world is imminent in God which as that God is imminent in the world. In other words, the world is part of God and he's yeah. inside it or, or she's inside it or whatever. I got to say, because this is, Ross wrote this section and when he did it, I said, imminent? <laughs> I did. I was, I was stumped on that one. I had never seen the word before in my life. It's, a, it's existing within, inherent. But I mean, it's only, you know, you look it up and it's almost all theological. You, I'm not sure you would say imminent in usage as a ketchup is imminent in the, <laughs> in the food. So. <laughs> yeah. I will now. But here's something you might do is misspell I-M-M-I as I-M-M-A and not have your Microsoft Word spell checker find it. That's true. Ooh. Which can make things very interesting. Try it, Ross. I will. I'm doing it to Google Docs right now. <laughs> We're so, it's so exciting being us. <laughs> I'm gonna say I'll say like an imminent storm. Do we get the squiggly line? Nope, it didn't. No squiggly. Did line. Really? <laughs> no, Fletcher, you're rehired. Words with Fletcher. Yeah, That's right. <laughs> yeah baby. <laughs> Fletcher Powell, DBA, the killer. <laughs> okay, the next one. This is Ross wrote this section, but both of us loved this one because it, it, it this makes my mind always go. <clears throat> Fletcher, did I emigrate to Spain from the U.S. Uh, okay. or did I immigrate to Spain? Right, 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 right. You, when you're coming in, you're immigrating. So you you emigrated to Spain, but you immigrated from the U.S. No, ah, I have it backwards. Though. I, can, <laughs> yes. I, I, I know, I know which one they mean, but I can never remember which goes to and That's from. That's the same as me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, this one didn't bother me because of Latin, because the e, it, 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 those, it's a mushing of two words in Latin. You know, my, the migrate part and then the e and the i. The e comes originally was x, so it's out of. So you emigrate out of. So therefore, you emigrated. I emigrate from, from the United okay. States, mm -hmm. and then M. Just think of it as in, right? And you immigrated to Spain. 
Yeah, I that's mean, the, that's the, I, the I, I I knew that in I knew that immig- immigrate in and emigrate out, but it that still didn't that still didn't help me with the from and to when when it came down to it. Yeah, I I this one always throws me. I and I I always have to stop and think, and then I just say I moved from. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's my that's trick. the way to do it. Yes. <laughs> this is why I love words. <laughs> They're flexible. But it's an easy one. We found an example in Forbes magazine. Uh, Chen emigrated to the United States. But the one thing is, in effect, I, I partly wonder, like, okay, you have this person, Chen, who emigrated. In effect, he left his country. So in a weird way, you see what I'm saying? He emigrated. Yeah. He well, emigrated, emigrated, but he didn't emigrate to something. No. So no, you're wrong. I'm sorry. Right. Wrong and bad. Yeah. I'm ashamed. <laughs> Fletcher's got your job too now, Ross. Yeah. Wait. Okay. Okay. Let, let me back up again and, and try to get it straight. Okay. You emigrate from. Mm-hmm. But what if I? What if you said, you Kathy said said I emigrated from the U.S. to Spain. That's what I'm wondering about. That's That'd what be I was fine. Saying That's fine. That right. is fine. So, but yeah, because so, you emigrated from somewhere, right? But but isn't saying you emigrated to somewhere just kind of dropping, el- eliding that no. middle point? That's no, it's not. To. I disagree. You're both wrong. Exactly I'm doing the show by myself from here on in. The hell with it. I've had enough. No, no, because it's like you're emigrating. You have the phrase "I emigrated from." From to. But if we just drop the from. And then the two is later. The yeah. two is like an add But see, I'm looking at it like, I'm saying Chen emigrated. He left wherever he was from. So no. And then, and then the next. We're wrong. It's not, it's, <laughs> I think we're getting a little. It is true that we're wrong. You are correct about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, no I find this reprehensible, actually. I'm, I'm there a little is upset. No, <laughs> no, I'm just looking at a sort of tech, in a sort of mealy way it seems like no it's, like, it's yeah. wrong it's wrong it's very wrong wrong <laughs> but in a way i mean i'm gonna now i'm gonna do something else now. <laughs> oh god but we're, we're not gonna this, let this though. one go the u.s hear this out now guys listen now the u.s is a country of immigrants but it's Correct. also a country of emigrants yeah. right yeah a lot, so that's sort of interesting because a lot of people emigrated from the rest of the world and they immigrated to the states so and a lot of people emigrated from the states like me or you very few but far far fewer did so u.s is really a country of immigrants collection of emigrants who are also immigrants Mm -hmm. you're really making me want to hit you you're like (laughs) on my computer screen and i can't (laughs) yeah well of course that's true but it doesn't who cares (laughs) immigrate emigrate you know it's wrong well yes 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 that is that is true that's sort of interesting though really i gotta say though i have to keep in my head emigrate exit immigrate into right but for some reason, it doesn't stick. No, I mean, I, 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 know, I, kn- I knew easy. that. Yeah, I mean, I knew that even even talking to you here. But it, like I said, that still didn't help me get the from to correct. Like I know, yeah. I know, emigrate is leaving and immigrate is coming in. But um, I mean, maybe because as I tried to do, I could make the case for going either way. Uh, <laughs> You're ambivalent. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little. <laughs>
This episode of You're Saying It Wrong has been produced by me, Fletcher Powell, help from Beth Golay and Luann Stevens in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. You're Saying It Wrong is a worldwide affair. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can tweet it at us. We're at YSIWpod. Email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com or email me at powell at kmuw.org. And if you like what we're doing, leave us a rating or better yet, a review on your podcast platform of choice. Kathy and Ross's book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press. You can find that and much of their other work pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And don't forget they have a new book out, A History of the World Through Body Parts. The stories behind the organs, appendages, digits, and the like attached to or detached from famous bodies. You can find that pretty much anywhere you get books as well. And, of course, Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can check out their other work through their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S dot com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.